We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, Jorge. Sometimes I like to think about what it would be like to get a visit from future scientists who come with, like, answers to some of our biggest questions. Oh, man, you mean, like, uh, how did the universe form? Or how big is it? Or... Who's going to be president in 2020? Yeah, exactly. I want to know the answer to those questions, and I expect them to have it. But sometimes that makes me kind of nervous. Nervous? Why do you feel nervous? Because then I feel pressure. I imagine, like, if I went to visit ancient scientists, then I'd be on on the spot to answer their questions about the universe. Is that like a physics professor's recurring nightmare, going up against a, a room full of people and not having the answer to something? That's right. I'm talking to Plato, and I'm wearing nothing under my toga. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but the, the, the reason I worry about it is that sometimes I feel like we still don't have answers to some of their questions. Hmm. You mean like simple questions that maybe they had back then, you feel like we still don't even know the answer to them. Yeah, like if you could go talk to Galileo, you know, who looked at the moons of Jupiter, I'm sure he would have a lot of questions about the solar system. And some of them we have answers to, and some of them are still open questions. That's a bit embarrassing. Mm, Yeah, I think I know what you mean. I've heard that there is a big mystery right here in our solar system that is literally staring at us all the time. (laughs) That's right. And we don't have an answer to. We stare at it, and it stares back. And I'm Daniel. And welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. Where we think about how to answer questions in the universe. Questions in the future, questions in the past, questions from today, questions from tomorrow. Any questions you have about the universe, we are here to explain the answers to you. That's right. In this program, we talk about the big questions and the little questions and the the big eyesore questions. (laughs) That's right. We talk about the calm questions and the stormy questions. (laughs) The red hot 
red-hot burning questions people have. That's right. But this is not a podcast about Stormy Daniels. No, this is a podcast <laughs> about other kinds of storms. That's right. Yeah, so to the end of the program, we thought we would tackle a question that was discovered a long time ago by scientists, but for which we still don't have an answer. That's right. An open question people are still wondering about. We might not get an answer today, might not tomorrow. It might be another hundred years before we figure this one out. Yeah, but hopefully we'll find the answer before it shrinks to nothing. <laughs> That's right. And this one really does harken back to folks like Galileo, who first peered through their telescopes and looked up at the sky and studied Jupiter. And when they looked at Jupiter, they saw something pretty strange. They saw that Jupiter was staring back at them. That's right. If you've looked through a telescope, then you've noticed that Jupiter has a big spot on it, right? Yeah. But of course, people have been thinking about this and wondering about this for generations. It's not a new question, right? And we received this question actually from one of our younger listeners just the other day. So to introduce you to today's topic, here's Judah. Hi, my name is Judah. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I really enjoy listening to your podcast. And I have a question. My question is... How did Jupiter's eye form? Do other planets have eyes? That's right. The great red spot of Jupiter, one of the most prominent features on any object in the solar system, and we still mm. don't really know what it's all about. Mm, that's an interesting way to categorize it. It's like the big, biggest feature ever, or right? It's like, a, it's like a thing on a thing, but it's so big that it's <laughs> the biggest feature on anything that we know about. That's right. That makes it, it's, it's not even a thing in itself, right? It's a thing on another thing, and it's still huge, and it's still a mystery. And to give people a sense of the scale, you know, the, the great red spot in Jupiter is like one or two times the size of the entire Earth, right? This is not like a little detail on some other planet. We're not talking about a rock on the moon or something. We're talking about a huge astronomical feature. Wow. When we have you guys um, do a quick image Google search for the eye of Jupiter, so you get a sort of a better sense of what we're talking about. That's right. Or if you don't have the internet handy, just use your mind's eye and remember what it looks like. Imagine what Jupiter looks like. It's got all these bands across it, all little mm -hmm. swirling dots in it. But then on the southern part of it, the bottom half of it, it's got this big red spot. And imagine that you're an astronomer, you're one of the first people to look at Jupiter. Of course, you're going to wonder, like, what's that, right? What is that thing? What's going on there? Is that made artificially? Is it natural? How could it be natural? What could it be? There's so many questions inspired by this one astronomical feature. And the thing that I love about it is that we still don't know that it's still, you know, staring back at us and resisting all of our efforts to understand it. Right. Yeah, no, because it's a it's kind of an eyesore. I mean, to punts aside. I mean it's <laughs> the, the whole planet is sort of like beige and brown, but then it has this ginormous, really red, like not a little red, but like pretty red giant spot. It's not so, like a So you don't spot. like it? You think like a, Jupiter should wear makeup? It's like a big zit on the face of Jupiter? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I have Jupiter. <laughs> Maybe Jupiter's really a teenager, be... right? And it's so embarrassed and it doesn't want to talk about it. And now it's the mad zit at you. zit of Jupiter. And one day it's going to pop. <laughs> one day it's going to pop. No, I think it's gorgeous. I love the patterns and the swirls. I mean, imagine if Jupiter was just like blank. You know, it was just like one mm. big sort of gray mush. 
You know, it'd be so right. boring. I love the texture mm. and the features on Jupiter. It's fascinating because it inspires all these questions and it's an opportunity to learn. And, and just aesthetically, I think it looks pretty cool. I think you should have more right. spots on yourself, Jorge. <laughs> How do you know I don't? Um, <laughs> no, but I guess what I mean, it's, it's like a very defined feature. You know what I mean? It's like not a diffuse, you know, like a spot. It's not like a, you know, like somebody spray painted it and it's fuzzy on the sides. It's like a... It has a border and an edge, and yeah, it's you know, in it's very sharp red. Relief. You're you're exactly yeah. right. There's real contrast there between the red spot yeah. and the stuff immediately next to it, right? So it's a, it's definitely its own thing, right? And that that um that raises a lot of questions right there. Wow! And you're saying it's uh, the size of two Earths, like you could fit two of our planets in that spot. Yeah, and if you ever wanted to feel small and insignificant, you know, our, you're tiny compared to our planet, and our planet is tiny compared to just features on other planets. You know, not even other planets, just like stuff on those planets. So <laughs> There you know. are pimples in other planets that are bigger than our planet, <laughs> is what you're right. saying. That's right. Um, I don't know what would happen when you pop an Earth-sized pimple. Um, Please don't don't imagine that, folks. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's amazing huge. the scale, right? Like just to go across this giant spot would be akin to flying around the world, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly, it's huge, and it's uh, sort of got its own like um, patterns. You know, it itself it rotates around Jupiter. It takes uh, six days to go around Jupiter. The spot itself moves around. Wait, Jupiter. what? It moves? Yeah, well, it spins, right? It rotates. Uh And then the spot itself moves around Jupiter. Jupiter has all these bands of gas that are flowing in different directions. And this spot goes Uh around Jupiter. It takes about six Earth days to make one transit. Wait, so it's not tied to to the hard surface of Jupiter. It's like a floating spot. Well, we can get into that. But we don't actually know that much about what's under the red spot and how deep it goes and its connection to what's underneath. A lot of that is a mystery oh. because Jupiter is a hot and wet and nasty place and pretty difficult to study. Wow. All right, let's get into it. But first, as usual, we were wondering how many people out there knew the answer or thought they had the answer to the question, what's in Jupiter's red spot? Yeah, so I walked around the campus of UC Irvine and I asked them what they knew about Jupiter's red spot. So think about it for a second and uh, and think about it. Well, how would you answer a random physics professor stopping you in the middle of the street <laughs> asking you, what is in Jupiter's red spot? Yeah, would you take out your pepper spray? Would you pull out your taser? Or would you answer his questions? <laughs> <laughs> would you take out your physics reference book? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So here's what folks on the UCI campus had to say. What is in the great red spot of Jupiter? What's going on there? In the great red spot of Jupiter? Oh, something hot. <laughs> you say it's nasty and wet? <laughs> no. <laughs> but definitely hot. Yeah. Um, um, I have no idea. Okay. Probably some, like, plasma reactions. I don't know. Something, something at, like, high temperature and, like, high pressure. Okay. But Isn't it a tornado of some sorts? Like a huge That's tornado. right, yeah. A very big one. Okay. No, I don't. No? Okay. No, I haven't looked into that. Okay. I think I've heard some things about how there's storms going on in there that might be causing that. Uh, it's like a storm of some sort, right? Like a like a never-ending storm, or as far as we know, because it's been there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's all I know. I mean, I'm not quite sure what that refers to, but it might just be like... A, I know that there are large dust storms on Jupiter, 
that might be to what you're referring, if I understand the question correctly. It might be something like a gigantic supercell that's been raging for many years on Jupiter and will rage for many years in the future. All right, some uh, not safe for work answers here. <laughs> there's, let's just say there's a broad variety of responses, yeah. <laughs> Nobody said pimple, though. Nobody that's called good. it the zit on the face of Jupiter. I think your theory is in trouble there, man. Mm. But uh, no, I mean, some people said it was uh, something hot. Yeah. I wonder what they were thinking. Yeah, and another common theme is people thinking of it as a storm, like a dust storm, mm. right? I think they're imagining they're like the red sand on Mars or something like that. Um, okay. But a, a storm is on the right track, right? It's definitely a huge swirling mass of gas like a hurricane, right? Um, very high mm. winds. And so a storm is, is not a terrible answer. A storm is, pretty, is a pretty good way to describe it. Okay, so there's a general uh, understanding out there that it's kind of like a weather phenomenon, or it's um, it's swirling. It's not like a it's not that the rock is painted red under there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's not a huge piece of art on the on the surface of Jupiter or anything. It's um, yeah. It, I think people are familiar with the fact that Jupiter is a gas planet, right? So we're not looking at the surface in the same way that we look at the surface of Mars when we look at Jupiter. Mm-hmm. There isn't a surface there for us to see. We're looking at sort of the top of the Jovian atmosphere. And what we're seeing is a big swirling mass. And so I think it's uh, thinking of it as weather is a, is a good way to think about it. All right, so let's, uh, let's start with some basics. Well, let's talk about Jupiter and what that planet is like. Yeah, so let's start from the inside out, right? So, and compare it to Earth. Earth, as we know, is like a big rocky ball with hot, nasty stuff on the inside and then a a very thin atmosphere uh, surrounding it. Jupiter is really pretty different. It has a rocky, icy core, we think, but it's pretty small and it's mostly a huge ball of hydrogen. And the hydrogen is under such pressure from all the gravity, from Jupiter being so massive, that the hydrogen is not like the hydrogen you imagine, like a big tank of gas or something. Mm-hmm. Most of Jupiter is this huge ball of metallic hydrogen, right? Hydrogen that's been squeezed and so much that it's turned into a metal. What? And then on top of that, you have a liquid hydrogen ocean, right? And this is not something you ever want to put a swimsuit on and dive into. <laughs> It'd be a little chilly. <laughs> no, I think it'd be really hot, actually. I think it's a, it's liquid and it's under high pressure and temperature. So it's a, it's mm. a pretty crazy place to be. Wow. But not nasty and wet. Yeah, the, the <laughs> That's subjective. Idea. So uh, I'll defer that to the first person <laughs> to actually swim in the oceans of Jupiter. And then on top of that liquid ocean, you have gaseous hydrogen. You have just like hydrogen that we're more familiar with. And then on top of oh. that, you have clouds that are like maybe 30 miles deep. So, so it's like a, a layered cake of different flavors of hydrogen. Like a, the more compressed it gets, it, it actually first turns liquid and then it actually turns into like solid hydrogen. Is that what you, you were saying? That it actually forms like a solid hydrogen, like a block of hydrogen? Wow. Not exactly. It is metallic, but it's probably still liquid. It's not so much pressure that it becomes a solid. Yeah, layer cake is a, is a good example because the stuff on the bottom gets squeezed by all the stuff on the top. So this is a layer cake with like a gazillion tons tons of frosting so that the bottom layer has become like squished is no longer fluffy at all right as paul oh. from the british baking show would say it's like it's underbaked but, but but then how how big is that solid core in the middle like is it it's still pretty big, or is it bigger than the Earth? Or? It's it's uh it's a little bit bigger than the Earth. It's about the same scale as the Earth. Um, the biggest oh, really? fraction of of Jupiter is definitely that metallic hydrogen part. Oh wow. So really at the core, Jupiter is kind of like about the size of Earth. It just has a lot of icing on it. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, millions of Earth's worth of icing. Exactly. That is a huge <laughs> tub of icing, of cosmic galactic icing. Exactly. Wow. Um, but the surface, uh, the very surface that we see, that's all clouds. Yeah. And I wouldn't even call it a surface. You know, we're seeing the tops of the clouds. And it's not a surface because you can't, like, land on it. You know, you could descend mm. into it. And we once did drop a probe into Jupiter, but it got melted and crushed before it even got down through the cloud layer. Oh, wow. Just from the, the craziness of that, those clouds. Yeah. Even just those clouds are very high temperature and pressure. Oh, wow. But, but that cloud layer, you're telling me, is about 30 miles deep. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of clouds. I mean, Jupiter is just massive on this scale. It's even hard to imagine, like when you think about planets. And so it's, it's a huge pile of clouds. Mm. There's a lot of stuff going on there. And, you know, when you think about weather, right, weather is something that happens in the atmosphere, right, because you have these gas moving around, interacting. And 30 miles deep of clouds means you can have lots and lots of layers. You know, here on Earth, we have, like, weather in the upper atmosphere, in the lower atmosphere, right? Jupiter has so much more atmosphere and clouds than we do that there could be complexities there that we've never seen, that we've never imagined. And that's one of the fascinating things about studying Jupiter is that it might give us a clue as to, like, bigger questions about weather or what weather might be like on exoplanets and other solar systems we hope to one day have our children live on. So it's a pretty important wow. place to, to study how these things work. Yeah, because our only experience of weather is here on Earth. And if you think about it, we just have this tiny little layer of gas to, to understand how all these things swirl around and how they get affected by the sun and the Earth spinning, right? It, it's, um, we have a very small sample to understand weather. Exactly. And, um, and so that's why they send satellites up to study the atmosphere of Jupiter and the weather inside Jupiter. And, you know, even to storm aside, even if Jupiter didn't have the great red spot, it would already be a place of crazy weather. Like there are lightning strikes on Jupiter that are more than a thousand times larger, like more energetic than lightning strikes on Earth. You know, imagine like a thousand lightning strikes simultaneously all in the same place. That's like a everyday occurrence on Jupiter. You mean like a, a like a single bolt of lightning in Jupiter is about a thousand times more powerful than a lightning strike on Earth? Yeah, exactly. It's like everything on Jupiter is more dramatic, you know? Wow. I bet birthday parties on Jupiter are much more impressive than birthday parties on Earth. <laughs> uh, well, apparently zits are also very much more impressive. <laughs> I bet their jokes are funny, you know? They're probably much more jovial. jovial. <laughs> um Okay, so um, so the so things are more extreme because it's it's so so much atmosphere, so thicker, so much thicker, hotter, and crazier. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of the picture of Jupiter. It's like a little tiny rock core about the size of our planet, but then you have all of this hydrogen swirling around, swishing around. That's mostly what the planet is. It's it's like a giant gas containers swirling around. Yeah, exactly. And and remember that most of the stuff in the solar system is hydrogen because that's the simplest element. It's most of the stuff in the universe for the same reason. It's just mm. a proton with an electron around it. Right? The sun is mostly hydrogen for that same reason. And so Jupiter is mostly hydrogen. It's just it's most of the stuff around, the, the basic building block was hydrogen. So that's why it's hydrogen. And Jupiter is sort of like a star that never got started burning, which is why it can't fuse to make heavier stuff. But the thing that's interesting to me is that, you know how we have weather patterns on Earth, like we have the jet stream and, the, you know, these various winds that are sort of basically stable. 
The same kind of stuff happens on Jupiter, and you can see it with your own eyes. If you look at the surface of Jupiter, you see these bands, right? Like Jupiter is not just one big blob. It has these bands on it, and these bands mm-hmm. are basically just like wind patterns, and they go one way or they go the other way. There's like these you know, centuries-long stable weather patterns on the surface of Jupiter. That's really pretty fascinating. Wow. Because the whole thing is rotating, right? Like it's not just a ball floating out in space. It's spinning as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's definitely spinning. And something we don't know very well is like, how are the various parts spinning? You know, the atmosphere is spinning, the ocean is spinning, the core underneath it is spinning. We have a sense for what's in there from various gravitational measurements, but we've never gone in there. So it's hard to to measure like how fast these things are moving. Mm. We have some clues from like the magnetic field information. But so one thing we don't know is how fast these things are rotating relative to each other. You know, like we talked once about one of these moons could have an outer ice shell that's rotating faster than the inner core under the, the under the ocean. The same thing could be happening in Jupiter. So there's a lot we don't know about what's going on inside Jupiter. Inside, huh? Like if you yeah. just measured how the clouds moved on Earth, you might get a totally different idea of how the Earth is actually rotating. Yeah, although Earth is not covered in clouds the way Jupiter is, so you can actually see the surface and you can measure, you can like right. spot something on the surface of the Earth and watch it go by every 24 hours. You can't do that on Jupiter, right? You can't see the core of Jupiter or this liquid ocean. Um, like I said, we oh. dropped some probes in, but they didn't even make it all the way down before they got like melted and crushed. And like Jupiter just like laughs away our pathetic attempts to study it. <laughs> Swatted it away like a fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the most interesting feature on the surface of Jupiter, of course, is this great red spot, right? And by yeah. now we've studied it fairly extensively. You can see it from telescopes on Earth. And we've sent a whole series of probes that go by Jupiter, Pioneer, Voyager, Cassini, New Horizons, Galileo, and most recently the Juno probe. And they've taken really amazing pictures of this. So you can tell that the Great Red Spot is basically a huge storm. Wow. Let's jump right into the eye of the storm. But first, let's take a quick break. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months, a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities, but it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. 
Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. All right, so Jupiter is just a, basically a giant ball of hydrogen in all kinds of states, solid, liquid, gas, clouds. And the eye of Jupiter you're saying it's just basically like a, a storm inside of that giant weather ball. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a huge hurricane. And, you know, on Earth, you can have big hurricanes that are hundreds of miles wide. That's a pretty amazing event. It's pretty rare. And you can get wind speeds up to, you know, 100, 150, sometimes in super rare events up to like 200 miles an hour. Well, the um, Great Red Spot has winds that go up to 400 miles per hour. And it's wow. been going on for, you know, we don't know exactly how long, but much more than 100 years. Wow. Wait, you mean um, it hasn't always been there? Like there was a time when you could look at Jupiter and you wouldn't see a red spot. Well, this is actually fascinating because we don't really have reliable information. The earliest solid observation of the great red spot in Jupiter comes from like the 1830s. Before that, mm. there are some folks, Galileo and those guys who wrote about Jupiter and said, oh, I see a spot on Jupiter. And, but they weren't like really very detailed observations. They didn't like tell us exactly what they saw and measured it and stuff. And there are some hints in those writings that suggest they might have seen a different spot, like on the northern side of Jupiter. So it might be that Jupiter's red spot is like a couple hundred years old. Oh. Or it could be that it's been there for thousands of years. We just don't have right. like a lot of data. Right. Is it a birthmark or is it something that... <laughs> happen in purity, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, it could be that we go back to talk to Galileo or folks like that, and they don't even have this question because they've never seen the great red spot in mm. Jupiter, and they're like, what are you talking about? Or it could be that this has been around for thousands of years, and, and you know, it's a big question in their minds as well. Right. So it's, it's sort of cool that we don't know if this is like a transient thing that exists only in these few decades and hundreds of years that we're looking at Jupiter, or if it's a prominent feature. And that's a cool right. thing about thinking about that sort of time scales of the solar system. You know, like in a million years, will Saturn still have rings? Will Jupiter be identifiable? You know, this kind of thing. Wow. But that's like their signature move, you know, that's like their, it's in their logo, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gonna... Well, if you're like a teenager who had a lot of acne, that might have been your signature, but then you kind of want to grow out of it. And <laughs> not, you don't yeah. want to be called like, hey, remember you? I remember you. You were that kid who had all that acne, right? You want to leave it yeah. behind. So maybe Jupiter mm. feels the same way. Mm. 
Well, I think it's it's interesting to me that it's you call it a storm. It's a storm because the whole planet is basically just a giant cloud weather system. What makes it sort of a contain? What makes something a storm in a planet where basically the whole thing is kind of a storm? <laughs> this description hasn't made you want to like vacation to Jupiter or something. <laughs> there's, no, there's no calm days on Jupiter. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the the thing that makes it a storm is that it's separate from the rest of the cloud system. It's like self-contained. Um, it mm. eats, first of all, it eats other storms. We've seen like smaller, puny-sized storms, storms like the size of huge hurricanes on Earth. They um, This storm just like rolls over them and gobbles them up. What? Yeah, It's like exactly. a system. It's, like <laughs> yeah. it's got its own energy. Is that what it means? <laughs> like it has its own kind of like, you know, perpetual kind of machine cycle something going on it's kind of like a bully i don't know it just like sucks up the lunch money from other storms right and mm. um yeah so it eats other storms it's self-contained and it's separate there's a boundary there right you can see the you see these pictures from juno they're incredible and there's these mm. the, the winds that are circling and there's an edge to it after which you get these cloud bands and they're definitely different so it's it's separate from the rest of jupiter and i would say that the uh, the the other thing that makes it a storm is that the winds are faster like they go the winds there 400 miles per hour are definitely faster than they are in the rest of jupiter so it's the stormiest oh, spot on jupiter if you were going to vacation at jupiter i wouldn't recommend the great red spot <laughs> unless you like sailing unless you like that know. kind of thing yeah. <laughs> exactly. Windsurfing, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. If you're super good. <laughs> the ultimate windsurfing. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. And um, you were asking earlier about like, is it connected to something underneath? And that's a really good question. We don't, yeah. don't know the answer. Um, we've probed it a little bit using various techniques. And we know that it goes like 100, 150 miles down. So it definitely penetrates down all the way through the cloud layer and into the, like, the blob of gaseous hydrogen. But we don't know if it's connected to something else going on. Like, is it an indication that there's some like tectonic activity inside Jupiter that's venting out mm. some heat that's fueling this thing? Or is it just a crazy weather pattern that happens to support itself? Like wow. it, the the ideas are pretty broad still. We're really still pretty clueless. So it could be just something that floats, basically, or it could be something that is kind of connected to the rocky center of Jupiter. Yeah, exactly. The way like storms on Earth, right? They get their energy usually from the ocean, right? There's water mm -hmm. and the heat from the ocean, and that's why, for example, global warming makes uh, on average larger hurricanes because warmer water fuels these storms. And then the storms sort of peter out when they run into land because they can no longer get fuel because they're, they're not over the ocean anymore. Um, I see. You don't, like, you don't get hurricanes in the middle of Africa you, or <laughs> right. in the middle of the U.S. You only that's get right. them sort of in the, you know, the, the Caribbean or in the middle of the Atlantic, right? That's right. And that's why they tend to lose power when they hit land, right? They're most ferocious mm -hmm. just when they hit the... the, the um, the beaches, and then they sort of peter out as they go further and further inland. Um, thank gosh. Oh. But, you know, we don't know. Maybe in the future with climate change, uh, hurricanes are just going to rule the world. We don't know. Oh. But there's no surface like that uh, to slow down storms on Jupiter. So we don't know what's right. fueling it. Is there some, like, hot spot in the liquid ocean, liquid hydrogen ocean that's connected to something? We don't know if it's just floating right. there. It's, yeah, it's a great question. But what do you mean it, what fuels it? It needs energy to keep going. And you're saying we don't know where that energy is coming from? Yeah, exactly. They've done some thermal imaging, so they know that the center of it seems to be warmer than the rest of it. But they don't know if that's just some warm spot on Jupiter or if that's coming from underneath, 
right? If it's like drawing energy from inside Jupiter, or maybe there's some like wow. alien civilization there that's pumping out some heat signature from its fusion <laughs> reactor. I mean, that's crazy speculation, but I'm sure somebody's oh. written that science fiction novel. Oh, I was thinking that would make a cool title for a book, The Eye of Jupiter. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure somebody has written that book already. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Sorry. Every book you we imagine somebody has already written. You know, one time in this podcast, I had an idea for a science fiction story and I speculated about it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody sent me an email saying, oh, that story has been written. Here it is. So I'm pretty sure we're not coming up oh. with any new ideas on this podcast for science fiction stories. That story has been written. I just wrote it after <laughs> I heard your podcast. Here it I, is. And I'm suing you. I'm suing you <laughs> for talking about it without giving me credit. I think I think that means we've made it, Daniel. We have fan fiction now based on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Jorge versus the banana. I want to read that fan fiction. Somebody out there write that story. <laughs> the um, eye of the banana. The eye of the banana. Yeah, so I think it's amazing that we just don't know like what caused this, you know? Is this something that was created by some crazy event? You know, like did something right. hit Jupiter and impact a bunch of energy and cause a storm? Because, mm. you know, we've seen stuff hit Jupiter, right? Like back in the 90s, a huge comet broke up and hit Jupiter and it left some, some spots on the surface of Jupiter, but they didn't last, right? Those are gone by now. Right. But this is like a self-contained, ongoing, almost independent phenomenon that's happening on the on the big clouds of Jupiter, right? Yeah, exactly. And we know it's been around for at least 150 years, mm-hmm. but but it's not static, right? It's not unchanging. We've been watching it now pretty carefully for a few decades, and we see it changing. The weird thing is wow. it seems to be shrinking, and it's going from wow. like more oval to more circular. That kind of blew my mind here, that it's it's not a permanent feature of Jupiter. It might be like a transient, temporary thing that just pops in and out. Yeah, it could be that you tell your kids about this eye on Jupiter and they're like, whatever, Dad, that's a crazy story. <laughs> Jupiter doesn't have an eye on it, you know? Whatever, um, we know it was aliens. <laughs> future Daniel told us. <laughs> future Daniel. I have a lot of questions for future Daniel. Um, yeah, I got some numbers here. Back in 1979, we measured it to be about 15,500 miles wide. And now it's just under 8,000 miles wide. Oh, man. And yeah, so it's it's a lot smaller than it used to be. Like your grandpa's great red spot is much more impressive than yours. And that's oh, not just man. your grandpa talking. That's real. Like that's data. <laughs> In my days, <laughs> the eye of Jupiter was much bigger. <laughs> it we was had much a bigger greater. mystery than you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be downgraded from the great red spot to the pretty big red spot down to the red spot. Maybe it's just very slowly blinking. <laughs> you know, I was thinking that also. It is shrinking. That doesn't mean necessarily it's going to disappear. It could go down and then it could come back up, right? We have no idea what's causing this thing, what the dynamics are, what the mechanism is. So we can't really predict anything about it, right? Um, wow. And it's not like it's moving steadily. It was shrinking steadily, but then between 2012 and 2014, it shrunk really dramatically for a while. Wow. We have no idea what happened there. Uh, let's see what happened in 2012. Um, uh, um, Barack Obama got reelected. Thanks, Obama. It's <laughs> <laughs> a direct correlation here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A bunch of terrible movies came out. Yeah, that's probably it also. Um, yeah. All right, well, let's get into the biggest question about the big red spot. But first, let's take a quick break. The 
The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities, but it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, Daniel, here's the biggest question I have about the big red spot in Jupiter, which is, why is it red? I know. I wish I knew the answer to that question. Um, nobody knows is the short answer, right? What? We still don't know what makes it red. And it's not like a tiny bit red. This is not one of those things right. that astronomers are like exaggerating and you check it out for yourself and you're like, what? That's not so impressive. It's really red. Right. Because the rest of the planet is like beige, brown, pretty boring colors. Man, you are so critical of the aesthetics of Jupiter, man. <laughs> Come on. Jupiter's beautiful. Jupiter, I love you. I think you're amazing. No, I'm, I'm, I'm praising its bold choice of this red. Because, you know, oh, it's, it's like, you know, it, it painted the walls beige, but then it painted a giant red dot in the middle of the, of the living room. Yeah, we don't know what makes it red. It's fascinating, right? And mm. it seemed like it might not be that hard to figure out. So scientists like said, oh, maybe it's ammonium hydrosulfate or it's this other chemical or it's that chemical. And so they try to reproduce it, like reproduce the conditions of Jupiter in the lab and see if they could mm-hmm. make it glow red the same way, but they couldn't. Whoa. Some of the current ideas are like cosmic rays are coming down and irradiating it and making it glow red. Oh my but, God. Uh, people have tried that in the lab also, and they just can't get it to glow the right color of red. I feel like you just took it up a notch in the mystery scale. 
not only do we know not know what is the Jup- uh, what is Jupiter's red spot, we we don't even know why it's red. I know it might not even be red. <laughs> it's definitely red, but uh, yeah, why is it red? Not like purple or blue or orange or something, right? What's going on? It and the redness is so tantalizing because you know red really catches your eye. So it's yeah. not like it's a beige spot on top of a white planet or something. We just don't understand it. It's so bright and dramatic, right? This, this is a yeah. very, very red spot. And so something is going on there. And it's uh, of interest yeah. to, you know, atmospheric physicists and scientists and weather scientists and that kind of stuff because it gives us a clue as to like how these storms form and what's going on inside them. It seems like a, a really big clue. And I know, Daniel, that you can't resist a big red button if you see one. Does this, <laughs> does this sort of tantalize you? Makes you want to go to Jupiter and press that big red button? Uh, I do want to go to Jupiter. Yes, I would love to go visit the Great Red Spot. Thank you very much for offering to fund my travel. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was right. quite a kind yeah. invitation there. Um, you just go and I'll send you the check when you get there. Yeah, just find, uh, charge it to um, iHeartMedia. I think they're funding this operation. <laughs> they, they, they like eyes, so they know. <laughs> That's right. This Jovian trip to the Eye of Jupiter brought to you by iHeartMedia. I would definitely go and love to see it. And yeah, red attracts me. You know, I sit in the control room of the Large Hadron Collider with that big red cancel the collider button. And yes, I want to press it. (laughs) And I'm tempted to press it. And uh, so in the same way, I want to go see what's going on. It seems like it's calling to us. Obviously, it's not. Maybe not so obviously. But it seems like it's calling to us. And I think it's fun that scientists want to figure this out and that they can't. And, uh, you know, it's not just curiosity. We're going to be looking at the atmospheres of lots of other planets pretty soon. We have these amazing telescopes now like TESS and other telescopes coming online that that will be able to image the atmospheres of exoplanets. That means taking pictures of planets in other solar systems. And then we're going to have questions. We're going to be like, what's going on there? Can we live there? Is there water in that atmosphere? You know, and uh, the best way to figure out how to do that is to practice by looking at the stuff nearby. Wow. It's kind of like those weather cams, you know, where you they show you what the weather is like in Palm Beach or Santa Barbara. <laughs> or on the top of the mountain, right, where you see how much snow there is or something. Yeah, whether it's cloudy. You could be like, hey, that planet looks pretty good. Let's go over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's the kind of thing you want to get right because you don't want to fly all the way over there, spend 20 years and be like, oh, whoops. Turns out this is a huge storm and not a nice beach planet. So you definitely want to get this kind of thing right. We want to understand weather systems on other planets. That would be very helpful. What is it called? Exo-weather or? Astro-weather, astro-meteorology maybe? Astrology. Astroclimatology. (laughs) Astroclimatology, I love that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as the Earth heats up and our weather gets more and more extreme, um, it may be helpful to see what weather patterns are like on other planets as as our weather gets more and more like theirs. Oh, man. Yeah, if we if we um, eat the wrong things, we could get a big giant zit also. <laughs> That's right. Here again, you're blaming Jupiter's choices. See, you're very judgmental about Jupiter in this podcast. <laughs> right? Jupiter, we love you the way you are. You make your choices. You know, that's fine. Um, I think Jupiter should be very planet positive about itself. Mm, even though it is big and round. Or because it's big and round. <laughs> There, there really aren't it has a, lot a lot of, of options. Gas. You don't want to be a slender planet. No, that's for sure. Mm, yeah. It does have a lot of gas. That's true. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be awesome if Jupiter got like a second eye, and then that would really oh, be weird. Man. Right? Then it's like wow. it's looking at us. It, and that, you're saying that—that's the amazing thing. It could happen because we don't know what caused the first one, so it could just generate generate a second eye. 
Yeah, and that kind of thing does happen. Like not on the scale of the great red spot, but recently there was a sort of a smaller white spot that formed on the top side of the planet and it lasted several years wow. and then dissipated. And so wow. we don't know if like they just have to have to get big enough and then they're stable or if there's something right. fueling it underneath. Uh, we really don't know. I would love to watch Jupiter in sort of time-lapse footage over like a million years, right? To see mm. how these things evolve. Because remember, we have to think about these things on longer timescales, right? What we're looking at is like a slow motion video of gas bouncing around, um, of swirling, swirling vapors, you know, on the longer timescales, this could just be a blip or it could be something that's going to eventually grow and take over Jupiter, right? Wow. It could have had more eyes in the past, right? Yeah, exactly. It could have had more eyes mm. as far as we know. Well, it's pretty cool to think about the, the, the idea that we have all these mysteries right here in our backyard that we have no idea about and that we may never know. I mean, the eye could disappear before we get the answer. Exactly. Our solar system is so full of fascinating mysteries. You know, we're tempted to look out on the grander scale and think about the history of the universe and how big is it and is it accelerating and what is dark energy and all that stuff. But we have a lot of mysteries in our backyard, you know. Why does Mars not have a magnetic field? Why is Jupiter so crazy, right? What happened to Neptune? What's going on in the moons of Jupiter? Like there's so many things right here that we don't know the answers to. And those questions are more fascinating because we're much more likely to figure them out. You know, we can go visit Jupiter. It's not that big a deal. We can send probes to land on these, these moons. Eventually, we can go visit the Great Red Spot. Like, these questions we probably will get answers to. And that makes the questions themselves, to me, much more exciting. Yeah. Better go before it blinks. <laughs> That's right. Before, before somebody pops that zit. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That's been our podcast for today. Thanks for listening. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge. That's one word. Or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.